Sooner or later, humanity must live sustainably or it won't go on living. And what we once knew as a thriving environment could inevitably become nothing. Ask yourself, what's the most important thing you have? Maybe you're thinking about material items like gold, money, or cars. But in reality, without air, water, and our planet, we wouldn't exist. Earth is the most precious thing we have, so we need to look after it. And there are simple things that individuals can do to make an enormous difference. Take this fact. A hot water tap that leaks one drop per second can add up to over 600 liters of water a month which is more than an average person uses in two weeks. Or, by switching to a fluorescent light bulb, you can use 75% less energy than a standard bulb. So, if one individual can make such a big difference, imagine what an entire city can do. In this episode of the Waterfall Podcast, I want to explore how the Waterfall Management Company and Attack are contributing to sustainability A buzzword that is everywhere, but not everyone knows what it looks like or how to tackle it. Attack have placed first for the second year in a row in the FTSE Russell ESG Index. ESG, which we will hear lots of in this episode, stands for Environmental, Social and Governance. To quote Albert Einstein, we cannot solve our problems with the same thinking we used when we created them. Joining me in this discussion and helping us choose the correct path is Vili Foss, CEO of Waterfall Management Company, Giles Pendleton, Chief Development Officer at Attack, and Kyra Rautenbach, Sustainability Manager at Attack. So Giles, let me start off with you. The realities of climate change, as well as social and economic inequality, has placed quite the onus on property players to integrate sustainability at the very center of their decision-making process. But I've heard some very exciting news that for a second year in a row now, Attack has been placed first amongst its peer group in the very highly competitive FTSE Russell ESG index. Can you tell us more about this? Thanks, Arasia. Yeah, uh, the FTSE Russell ESG index ranks companies essentially across 300 indicators. So it assesses their commitment to sustainable practices. And for the second year in a row, we've uh, outperformed, I think, our, our peer group across all three pillars of the ESG. And ESG is obviously stands for environmental, social and governance. This is particularly important uh, in the REIT sector, which uh, the space we play in as a property fund, where sustainability has proven an important indicator of business growth and uh, the ROI, the return on investment for, for, the, for the sector. I mean, globally, there's a, definitely a growing movement to change the way we define value. Um, increasing investors are looking beyond conventional financing data and assessing the strength of a particular company. So it, it's now not about just necessarily your numbers. There's definitely uh, a deeper look through and into the future by analysts and shareholders. So that's how they are starting to define value. I think the ongoing COVID pandemic and the social justice movements around the world have brought to bear the importance of ESG, especially the, the environmental and social 
And obviously that's wrapped up with, with good corporate governance. And Attack is one of the you know world's pioneering companies in relation to how it gauges and values business success, especially in the South African context. And I think that is uh, what's reflected in our very good scorecard, again, for the second year in a row at the top of the peer group. You know, we're not new to the ESG conversation as Attack. We've got a long documented uh, commitment to sustainability practices. We have a very high percentage of green buildings in our portfolio. As a startup of 10, we have a very high percentage of solar production in our portfolio. So I think across those initiatives, we are definitely pushing um, the urban edge on design and environmental stewardship, not only in waterfall, but across our portfolio, but predominantly in waterfall. So. Right. It's a lot of work and a lot of great work at that. So congratulations once again. Vili, it's always great to catch up with you from a waterfall management company perspective. Now, Giles has spoken about specifically the attack portfolio in terms of waterfall. But from the way you see and do things, what is the approach of the entire development? You have multiple developers and stakeholders here. Do they follow the same sustainability ethos? Yes, thank you, Sia. From the beginning, uh, we had a commitment to sound sustainability principles. And Giles has now spoken about attack, but we also have uh, Baldwin. Uh, Baldwin's also been committed to sustainable development. And especially on the green building side, they have registered just over 16,000 units of theirs that they have been built, uh, building over the last number of years. The edge registration is what they call it. Well, each, the each standard is um, sets the minimum of a 20% reduction across energy consumption. You know, that's water usage and other building materials and so on. And yeah, at Waterfall, the polar fields development has already achieved uh, the edge certification. They are currently waiting for our Kukuyu development that, as I say, our, uh, the Baldwin development on, on Waterfall, uh, the Kukuyu development and uh, to be certified and then the Munyaka development that's uh, just started is also planned with all that in mind to get that edge certification as well when, when it's completed. Uh, and then Bolwin themselves have also launched the South African first green home loan with APSA Eco Home Loans. And that's also uh, currently available to the polo field buyers. And then obviously Century, Mark Corbett previously mentioned in one of our podcasts uh, what they have done. I must say they have right from the start uh, embraced the whole idea of sustainable um, development and they have also developed the bulk of the architectural guidelines for the residential developments at Waterfall. Mm. And at that stage, they wanted to create a truly South African building style, but also that takes into consideration our climate and then designed accordingly. They've advocated the use of raw materials, which the footprint of that is, you know, the carbon footprint is low. They are also great believers in green technology. Their spec houses and cluster developments at Waterfall um, are all striving to reduce, you know, the energy use with at least 50%. And then they have also implemented things like the installing of insulation under the, the slabs in, in the walls um, using LED lighting, double glazed windows, sliding doors, and then with wood burning fireplaces and have liquid petroleum gas piped to the home to power stove, hops, and geysers. Mm-hmm. And then as far as landscaping is concerned, I think people who come to Waterfall will should have noticed it by now. Um, we really have a very serious focus on the indigenous tree planting. We use um, only indigenous 
grasses, uh, as far as the felt grass are concerned, and plants, there I say only um, it's at least 80% in our development. But when it comes to common property, we try to be 100% indigenous. They are much more water-wise, and they attract indigenous bird species. We've had, I think, on the last count, 248 different types of birds uh, counted here at Waterfall. And then as far as water usage, we want to ensure that Waterfall use less water. They're obviously relieving the demand on pressure. So we built a water treatment plant uh, where we extract uh, water from the Yetska River. You know, the E. coli count is very high in the Yetska River itself. So what we do is we treat it without any chemicals. And then we use that for uh, irrigation on common property. Then as far as our buildings are concerned, the Country Village Clubhouse, for example, uh, is designed thermally. A third of the walls of the clubhouse are buried underground, uh, and that's to reduce the thermal lag of the building. So in the winter, it stays warm, and in summer, it's cool. And the entire roof is covered uh, in a garden. It's basically, basically grass, and then that is also irrigated with um, water that we extract from the uh, Yeska River. We've got a water use license for that. And we are quite strict in trying to conserve the water wherever we can. And then one of our gatehouses, I think it's gate two, at Country Estate North, is completely off the grid. We call it solar trees. You'll see when you go past it. I think it's three structures there um, that looks like a tree, but it's all solar panels on, on that particular structure. And they basically power the gatehouse. And then the other thing that we've done is we, we're currently busy with a the building of a litter trap in the Yekska River. Baldwin is actually building it, but all at Waterfall and downstream will benefit from it. And what we're basically trying to do is to catch most of the litter that's coming down from Yulbrow. The spring is under the northwestern corner of the Ellis Park Rugby Stadium, but that's the Yekska River. But the catchment area starts in, um, in Yulbrow. It's built for a one in two year flood. So it means that we will basically catch 80 to 90% of all the litter that comes down the river uh, under normal circumstances. We obviously had to build it such that if there are uh, bigger floods, that then it will overrun it because we don't want to cause flash floods. But all of that we do to have a better environment in which we are operating. Yeah. Well, it's great to see the type of developments and really this big concerted effort into making the environment better. So kudos to you and the team for doing that. Kyra, really, what is beyond the buzzword of sustainability in terms of waterfall? We are hearing some very intriguing bits of information, like a weather station at waterfall. Can you tell us more and unpack what that's all about? Yes, um, so sustainability represents a socially and economically significant shift, like a real communal desire to live closer with and in harmony with the environment and the people and communities around us, right? So at Waterfall and Attack, sustainability is woven literally into everything that we do. It's not only one of our corporate values, but it's a cornerstone to our development process and the foundation of this flagship precinct. But for us, what's really important and, and sort of a key starting point is around data. Data is a key asset and its application for insights is critical into how we evolve as a business and a custodian of this environment that we own. So the more data we gather and analyze and leverage to inform strategy, the more meaningful our contribution to environmental impact reduction can be. 
So what we did is we partnered with GCX. Um, they are a sustainability business specialist um, who have implemented an eco-analytics dashboard for us, which is really awesome because what it does is, is it allows us to monitor the environmental and financial aspects that contribute to our company's carbon footprint. So improved reporting and greater insight into not only how buildings are performing as standalone assets, but essentially the customers within those spaces are performing. And it means we can work together to find ways to change behavior or, you know, implement initiatives to reduce consumption and essentially the customer's cost of occupancy. So, this is becoming even more important, especially as we see these um, electricity and water tariff increases each year, really impacting that bottom line. So, yes, we are committed wholeheartedly to investing in our sustainability strategy, so much so that we are in the process of installing a scientific-grade weather station. Once up and running, it will give us access to the local climate patterns, insights into our weather data, as well as enabling us to structure our resilient city more effectively, tailoring it specifically for local conditions and the effects of climate change. So we will be looking at some more typical measurements like you know, your temperature, your humidity, your rain, and we can feed this information back to the residents in Waterfall via the Go Waterfall app. And they'll be able to get accurate live weather data reading. But then we're going to take it a step further. We're going to be looking at some other interesting measurements, such as light levels, solar radiation, air quality, you know, lightning, how, what's, what are those bigger measurements and, and what else is happening within the space? Waterfall has a very unique microclimate with different types of structures and infrastructure and spaces that all come together in the city environment. So the use of this data is essentially endless. For example, a lot of design engineers need weather data when they design building systems like air conditioning or ventilation. So the more accurate the data, the better these building systems will perform. You know, they're consumers of energy, so we want to improve that performance. To add to that, let's say 360 days of the year, and I know that's maybe, I think it's more closer to 300 days of the year, the sun shines here. But if you measure that accurately, and maybe we think it's uh, less or it's more, this will confirm that statistics and when the architects design for uh, the roof or the windows and so on, all of that statistics will be taken into consideration. You know, in England, there's a building, well, I think there may be other buildings in the world as well, but there's specifically one where they did not take the concentration of the sun into consideration. And when this building is a glass building, shortly after it was opened, it started melting the tar outside the building. And in some cases, cars were affected by it. So you need to understand the environmental impact, even the sun. So that's why a weather station like this, you know, it won't only measure that, but it will measure various things. But all these things need to be taken into consideration when you uh, design buildings. And for us, that's um, actually a very positive thing. The weather station data that engineers use is often located at our Airport. So pulling data from Oatamba when you're designing a city here, it's it's so far away, and you know the distance. Never mind the environment, all the things that can change the the climate in between. It's so significant. So having our own weather station means we'll have more accurate data. So where things are under design, but previously we've seen underperformance, we'll sort of deal with those issues having our own local weather station. Well, that sounds exciting, Giles. 
we understand that resilience is key for business. I think we can all agree on that. With this in mind, how have you assisted business, current and future residents as well, in terms of energy and water security? In waterfall, and I think attack in particular, we definitely understand security of energy is is a critical business uh, enabler. There's a lot of, obviously, uh, items in the press. We all experience load shedding on a daily basis. I think uh, when, when you are a business, it becomes even more disruptive than especially during day load shedding when majority of people at work. So I think we at a precinct, we started to, to look at it on a holistic basis and to start really understanding a dedicated energy infrastructure that we have in place. And how do we help our tenants manage the impact of load shedding, which is going to be with us for a while. I don't think this is, uh, this is not going to go away anytime soon. And then what are we doing about it? And I think, you know, part of that rationale is we invest heavily in new buildings that are more energy efficient, therefore use less power. Buildings are generally backed up either by PV, solar or uh, generators. So to give that business continuity. And then, you know, one looks at the mall. I mean, that mall through last year's load shedding uh, performed exceptionally well. And primarily due to the fact that it's got 4.7 megawatt PV uh, installation on the roof, uh, 15,500 panels. Currently one of the largest, if not the largest, rooftop commercial production facilities in the Southern Hemisphere. And I think we, we've heavily invested in PV and if one looks at the greater waterfall precinct, I think I live in waterfall, I have a house in waterfall. Billy has a house, he's my neighbor. I mean, we have PV on our roofs, our neighbors have PV. I think a lot of people are starting to seriously invest in resilience in this regard. And then I think one of the other big contributors to, to carbon footprints and to, to the environmental argument is, is what we do with waste. I think we are producing more waste per person um, than any time in history, throwaway culture. So I think part of that from an attack perspective and especially waterfall, and we are working sort of in a, a collaborative working relationship with Billy and his team uh, from the residential side and us obviously from the commercial side, is to look at how do we manage those waste streams? How do we improve the recycling percentage up? How do we reduce our wet waste down? And, and in that regard, I think, you know, we've, uh, Vili has, has initiated and has a, a large compost facility uh, on site in Waterfall. Uh, I think the idea now, and it's starting to materialize and we're running through a few pilot schemes is all of the garden waste from the residential and the commercial districts all ends up in the on-site composting facility. And, you know, that is sort of one initiative where we both are working on the same objectives, but in a collaborative manner makes a lot of sense. Mm. Very similar to what we do with water. I think we all are tied under the same water use licenses. We have the same river that flows through our adjacent sites. So, you know, and water is, is going to be the, the next big challenge that we face. We're in a water-scarce country, in a water-scarce city. Jobe Pretoria, as a, an urban environment, has approximately 15 million people. With no natural water course. So we're one, we're the largest city in the world that's not by a sea, a river, or a major, a major lake. Our water gets piped in. The climate, things are getting drier. So then we, we definitely are taking a, a more practical approach to water resilience. In that regard, I think we've added in the last uh, year or so another 297 kiloliters worth of rainwater harvesting. All our buildings, mm. uh, when we build them, either have basement water tanks, storage tanks, or uh, just in time storage tanks. We generally work on a two-day water resilience in the worst case and up to four days in a good case. The mall has uh, three very, very large tanks underneath carrying approximately 2.2 million liters of water. So I think from that perspective, you can never have too much water. And that, yeah. that is all part and parcel, I think, of the, you know, it's the things that people don't see about attack or waterfall. 
that are the most impactful in in our lives. You know, the PV, you don't see it. It's on the roof. The water tanks, you don't see that they're in the basements. Right. Well, Giles, you're making me want to reassess my life because all I talk about with my neighbors complaining about the loud neighbor down the road or <laughs> we're swapping Wi-Fi passwords. You and your neighbor, Vili, are actually changing the world here. <laughs> no, try it. One solar panel and one water tank at a time. Exactly. Now, Vili, we know that all roads lead to long-term gain. We have mentioned previously, actually, the importance of efficiency of transport and mobility in terms of sustainability and lowering the carbon footprint of the node. Can you tell us more about this? What does this all mean? Well, we have spent a lot of money on um, road infrastructure. Yeah, I could start maybe with the Mall of Africa. You know, if you go into the Mall of Africa, there's only one traffic light from the N1 into the Mall of Africa. Most of the, our competitors or other uh, major developments, when you go off the N1 or the M1 and so on, there's quite a few traffic lights before you reach that particular environment. So the Allendale Interchange in its own has already won some prizes in the past. In 2017, it was voted the best interchange in Johannesburg. They've got an interchange index. Can you believe that? But that is a free flow. I remember about 10 years ago going through that uh, intersection. It took us about 20 minutes from time to time. I think now if you on a on a bad day, it will maybe take you less than a minute to go through the interchange uh, because there's literally no traffic lights involved in it. Jointly, we all spent, I think, about 2 billion rands on, on the roads infrastructure and other bulk infrastructure that we had to do to do upgrades in this particular environment. And, and it's not the end. There's a few more roads um, that are coming. We have, right from the start, done a realistic traffic impact study. And that took into consideration, you know, the long-term um, development of um, our area, but because we are right in the middle of Gauteng, it also affects, you know, all north, east, south and west of us. And as far as our main routes are concerned, we just stuck to our guns. We haven't changed um, anything that we've uh, decided to do 10 years ago, except maybe for landscaping and, and also implementing, making provision for uh, future public bus roads. Uh, you'll see when you drive on waterfall, most of our the through roads are quite wide. It makes provision for additional lanes and also for bus lanes in the future. And then as far as um, public transport in general is concerned, we, and now I'm talking on uh, Giles's end, uh, ATTAC has built this um, large taxi holding facility, which is really um, a first-class um, taxi holding facility. It's got a canteen, offices, ablution uh, amenities. It's actually received a, a five-star green star um, rating, I think they call it, is a PEBV1 rating, which sounds a bit technical, but it's all about sustainability. So in some cases, we are actually under pressure because we haven't built all the roads that we've planned because we've grown faster than what we initially anticipated. But uh, we hope to, um, in the not so long distance, start with another major road. And you never know, in the future, we're trying to get a car train station on our development as well, yeah. but that's for the future. We've also made provision for cycle lanes and um, proper pedestrian um, lanes as well. Uh, you'll see in the CBD component of it, there are lanes marked specifically for cycle lanes and, and so on. 
Fantastic. Kyra, I'd like to round this off with you. Can you explain the importance of integrating sustainability and urban design principle in the waterfall node? We'd love to also hear some examples of initiatives that you've implemented to date. Integrating sustainability and inclusive urban design principles in all of our developments is what we see as a key driver for ongoing success. It's what's making Waterfall so successful. We believe that future-proofing companies to create resilience requires moving beyond this buzzword that sustainability has become. So for all of us to evolve and achieve our ambitions in this next normal, because that's reality, sustainable principles must inform corporate decision-making and business strategy. That's an absolute must. So going back to our vision, which is to create safe and sustainable spaces for people to connect and live, keeping sustainability authentically at our core, we know will be critical to delivering a waterfall that is resilient and can essentially stand the test of time. So, yes, let's talk about some of these really cool initiatives. And I'll start off with, you know, the concept that Waterfall is a walkable city. And that's a big part of Waterfall, that you can actually walk everywhere. So, you know, we're busy building this walkable city. And if you've walked Santon, you'll know that suddenly the pavement below you can disappear. You'll be dodging manholes and potholes, and then you're in the road, and then you're climbing over landscaping. So safety around how people move from one space or one surface to another is really important. And it's actually part of the experience that is waterfall. So really, we have over six kilometers of, you know, walkable, safe, well-lit pedestrian walkways within the city that can also accommodate cyclists. The latest being the Link Park walkway that connects the Deloitte building to Mall of Africa. And we are continually adding more. So there's a lot of progress each year creating more walkable space, and it's really connecting and bringing the city together. Another special initiative that I'm really excited about is our biodiversity enhancement strategy. So we are actually appointing a specialist to take a look at areas where we can improve or reintroduce biodiversity within waterfall. So areas where we can create like little sanctuaries for insects and birds and animals and plant species to thrive. So people are starting to ask the question, where have all the insects gone? I don't know, you know, if you remember how all the insects used to hit your windscreen as you drove down the highway. And it's a simple way to see that there's been a change in our environment. So think of waterfall, you know, with beehives and owl hatches and animal burrows and dead tree logs or refuge areas dedicated to biodiversity where you can actually bring back species again. And what's really nice is we will also be looking at ways to work with the local universities and give students opportunity to actually study these initiatives and implement them and become part of their study process. Right. And then Giles and Willie were speaking a lot around energy and water, and these are obviously two key sustainability focus areas. So we are continuously rolling out energy water saving projects in Waterfall where they add value, but more importantly, this needs to be done in a resilient way. So we can't ignore the challenges that we're facing with load shedding and water shortages. So having backup power and energy um, is really important for our customers. We've recently added another 270 kiloliter rainwater harvesting tank to the Deloitte building. So we really are making progress in this space. Well, fantastic. It was great to hear from all of you who have taken the time to really explain just 
how much you're all doing in sustainability. I think I speak on behalf of so many people who hear so much either in the news or people are stressed out and as our colleagues about what is happening in our world. But to hear the fact that Attack and Waterfall are taking a very firm stance and helping generations to come and helping our environment is really encouraging. So thank you so much, Giles, Vili and Kara for spending some time with us today. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Sia. Thanks for listening to Season 2, Episode 8 of the Waterfall Podcast. To listen to all the episodes, make sure you download the Go Waterfall app if you are a resident or work in Waterfall. For everyone else, new episodes will be made available a month later on cliffcentral.com, the Cliff Central app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more.